rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Good to be with you guys here on Tuesday, November the 10th. Um, wow. 100 points in two games. That's really not something I expected to see out of this team uh, this year, I thought, heading into the season. I think I said this multiple times. I, You know, the defense has to take a step, uh, and they've taken a step backward. And that's unfortunate, uh, and that's not going to add up to a lot of success. Gamecocks lose 48-3 to to Texas A&M in a game that was really not even competitive. Aggies dominated both lines of scrimmage. Um, the offense didn't go very far, and the defense for the second straight game was just not competitive um, in this football game. And that's tough because that's a team the Gamecocks play every single year, and they're now 0-7 against Texas A&M. Uh, when you have a permanent opponent like that, that's just like a division opponent. You, you need to beat them. You, you know, those are they're on the schedule. They are a fact of life and uh, just uh, not even a competitive football game. And I thought heading in that Texas A&M was probably too good for the Gamecocks to overcome with the issues they've had. Uh, but I don't know that, you know, I saw 48 to three coming um, and you, you add that on top of the LSU loss the week before, 52-24. to And uh, you've got some problems at South Carolina right now. Uh, You know, Colin Hill, the quarterback, I've I've defended the move. I continue to believe that, uh, you know, at the beginning and really through the first three games, uh, maybe even the fourth game, uh, he was the right guy. But, you know, there's something wrong there. Uh, He's not – attempting to trust his receivers, uh, the internal clock issues I missed last week, um, or I mentioned last week, uh, or issues continuing. Uh, and so they're going to go with another quarterback this weekend, and I don't know if it'll be Ryan Holinsky or Luke Doty, probably a little bit of both. Uh, you know, in garbage time, I thought Holinsky did throw the ball well. Uh, and, you know, hey – Let's see. Let's see. Let, it's time to give somebody else a shot. I mean, I, I don't know that that's going to be the answer, but time to give somebody else a shot because, you know, I'm kind of of the opinion like Steve Spurrier. If something's not working, then you got to change things up and, you know, see if somehow maybe a change at that position, as we've seen before, could spark the team uh, and maybe they can turn it around. I highly think, I highly doubt it. Um, I think that with the way the issues on defense, uh, even if, you know, you get a spark offensively from another quarterback against a defense that's not very good in Ole Miss, you know, you've still got some issues. Now, why could Carolina possibly, you know, they're 11.5-point underdogs all of a sudden. How could they possibly go in and win in Oxford? Well, there, there, there's two reasons when you look at Ole Miss this year, just breaking them down. They're a great offensive football team. Their quarterbacks do – like to throw interceptions, you know, and, and, you know, the Gamecocks do have at least one guy that knows how to pick the ball off back there in J.C. Horn. And so if you get a bunch of turnovers and, and they can't stop your run game, you, you could go in there and win. I mean, it's uh, not out of the question, a realm of possibility. And then you got to beat Missouri, you got to beat Kentucky, and you got to get to five wins. Um, and if that happens, 
I think uh, Muschamp and staff save the save their tenure. Uh, if not, if there's a blowout this weekend, you know, I'm not saying, you know, you, you shouldn't let anybody coach out the stream, but I think at that point change is probably going to be obvious. Uh, and look, I have uh, defended Will Muschamp. I defended Will Muschamp up until like last year. And then, you know, heck, if they're going to keep him around, you know, it's my job to kind of talk about what they can do to turn it around and all that. I thought the Mike Bobo hire, still do think the Mike Bobo hire was good. I did not see, you know, the issues at receiver being as bad as they are, but they are. They're worse. They're, they're worse than anybody could have ever imagined. Um, you know, you look out there and you see some guys that can run and athleticism and stuff like that, but that doesn't mean these guys can play. Jalen Brooks, you know, he needs to catch the football. Um, and I do not agree with Will Muschamp that that play somehow sparks the team to victory. But when it's there, you got to get it. And Colin Hill threw it, you know. I mean, he, he people that say he doesn't like to throw deep or won't throw deep, that's fine. Maybe he doesn't, in his mind, want to do it, but he can. And I think, you know, that showed you. He was guy was open. Brooks got open athletically. You know, I think he's a guy that can help, but they got to get him catching the football at some point, whether it's now or next year or whenever. Uh, I think that that's uh, that's a huge issue. The offense looked confused. A&M did a masterful job of taking away the run and the pass and everything else. Uh, and that was just a sad situation. It's just sad, you know. Uh, I have no doubt people are working hard. Um Players are working, you know, I, I, there's just – there's a difference between working hard and uh, and then something working out overall. And uh, I think that, you know, here are the numbers, and I trace it back yet again uh, to the Florida game in 2018. You know, that game, Carolina's sitting there at five and three um, and really had had some disappointing losses. You know, the Kentucky game was disappointing – Getting blown out by Georgia was disappointing. You know, failure to come back all the way against AM was disappointing. But they they rallied. They had a comfort behind victory against Tennessee, comfort behind victory at Ole Miss. You go to the swamp, you're up 31-14. You know, Muschamp wins that game. He's two and one against the Gators at that point, his old school. Um you hold on there. I think, I think, you know, we may be looking at a different deal, but you know, including that game since that point. Carolina is five and fourteen against Power Five opponents. They are six and fifteen against FBS opponents because remember they did lose to App State. They are eight and fifteen overall versus the ACC and ACC. They're five and twelve. They're five and nine against the SEC. Uh, of the eight wins, two have come against Vandy, one against Akron, one against Charleston Southern, one against Chattanooga, and then they found a way to beat Georgia, Auburn, and Kentucky. I think just like that Georgia game last year where, you know, you got some momentum and you got an opportunity, um, you know, just like the Auburn game this year. You know, that's something that hadn't happened since the 30s at South Carolina beating Auburn. Um, and I know Auburn wasn't that good. They screwed it up and they did have 500 yards of offense, but a win is a win. And then you have an opportunity to go to LSU, which LSU is not a very good football team this year. 
uh, and you get blown out, and then you play a team that is a good football team. I don't know that the Texas A&M Aggies are a playoff team. You know, I'm kind of curious to see how they do against Auburn later this year, maybe against Ole Miss. I, I don't know this out of the question. They drop one. Uh, but, you know, they're good. This is supposed to be Jimbo Fisher's breakthrough year. Um, and you have an opportunity to play them tough or win the game or pull a big upset and everybody's happy because you're four and two and away we go. But these, you know, moments of brightness, you know, it's not so much what happens, it's how you deal with it. And that's true in life and football or whatever. These moments of brightness have been followed by, you know, a time of great despair. I mean, you know, you go and you get the turnovers against Auburn and you've won two. And, you know, you can kind of look back on that Tennessee game, which was a bad loss, by the way, uh, because Tennessee's not very good either. Uh, And you say, well, it was the opener. It's tough to open. Sometimes in openers, things happen. They made a lot of mistakes. They cleaned that up. Away you go. But, you, you know, you finally get your head underwater, uh, above water, and it's just like something jerks you back down underneath it. It's like that movie Open Water. Remember where the, the guy and his girlfriend got left out in the middle of the ocean on a scuba diving trip? So, so, so that's, that's where we're at here, folks. And um, like I said, I'm all for the quarterback change. I, I think that, you know, I, I understand why they went with him, and I was all for it, and I wouldn't change my opinion on that, but, uh, you know, as you move forward, you know, things change. And I have no doubt Colin Hill is better than, than Holinsky and Doty. Um, he's just not playing, like, you know, well right now. And who knows, you may put the other two in and you find there are the same issues. But I just don't know that it can get any worse, so why not? Just go on out there and play the guys and, and let it rip. Uh in my opinion. And I think it's also fine when uh, you're moving the ball and, and even though it's methodical, you know, you're still moving the ball and you're staying on the field and you're scoring points. They were, they were, uh, well now they're not, you know, so the jury is out, <laughs> so to speak on this offense. So I do think they have to, they have to make some changes. And, and like I said, Ole Miss isn't very good defensively. So maybe they have a shot to do that. I mean, it's night and day playing them versus A and M, but you know their offense is so good. It, you know, you may be you may be able to score forty something points and still lose by three touchdowns, and that's unfortunate because you know you that's a school in Ole Miss that fired their coach last year after a five and seven record. They were not four and eight; they were five and seven. He was an alum. He was recruiting well. He don't have been there three years, and. uh you know, they they had the gumption to go make the move. Um, I'll include Mississippi State and Missouri in this. They they had the foresight to go make moves. I don't know, you know, with Mississippi State, and they won. They struggled to beat Vandy, but they won. They've got lots of problems. But, you know, they made the move. Um, and I think Missouri actually has overperformed. And – you know, I'll throw Arkansas in there. Arkansas really didn't have a choice. You know, like these other schools, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Missouri, they all had a choice. You know, Barry Odom was sitting there at six and six in year four. You know, that's kind of a judgment call. You know, Mississippi State, Joe Moorhead went to a bowl game. That's kind of a judgment call. Ole Miss was five and seven, much improved. First year of two new coordinators. 
that's a judgment call. And if the kid hadn't lifted his leg when they scored a touchdown in the Egg Bowl, might Matt Luke maybe still be there. Um, you know, so so Arkansas really wasn't in the same spot as South Carolina last year. Ole Miss, Missouri, Mississippi State, Missouri were. But then you throw in the fact that Arkansas, who everybody thought was by far the worst team in the league, or at least down there with Vandy, and you throw in the fact they've won three and should have won, should be four, should have had four wins right now. And they beat Tennessee pretty easily. And they're actually, they've improved more on defense than offense. And they got walk-ons out there flying around. And, you know, so, so tell me how Arkansas in year one with Sam Pittman and Kendall Browse and Barry Odom uh, and, and, you know, taking over for, by all accounts, an offensive-minded coach in Chad Morris. Um, and before that, Belima was, you know, kind of a defensive guy, but they didn't – their defense was terrible. You know, so tell me how they're sitting there stopping people in South Carolina just 100 points in two games. I don't know. Um, I mean, I have my ideas. I think I think coaching comes into this at some point and, you know, maybe some, I guess, recruiting issues. I have those three D tackles I've talked about, Belk and Green and um, Sorrels, you know, they could really use those guys. Um, but whose responsibility is that? I mean, I, I, I don't – again, it's – it's. Uh, I don't know that you can hold Will Muschamp accountable – uh, for Josh Belk quitting and Sorrell's not getting in and Green not getting in. But I do think you can hold them all accountable for the fact that there's nobody to take their place, you know. And I, and I know, look, D tackle is not an easy position to recruit, but, you know, you got to scramble and find some guys. Receivers. Uh, straight at the feet of the coaching staff, current and present. Somebody needed to, you know, understand. I mean, somebody needed to recruit some speed <laughs> at that spot. And what's so damning about that position is there's guys from the state and guys they have connections to from out of the state. Like, go take a look at Zay Flowers from Boston College. Uh, I know the tall kid from Hanahan or wherever that's at Syracuse or Virginia, maybe on, I don't know, rest for right now or something. Even Jalen Hyatt, you know, has done some nice things. Uh, you know, those are all in-state guys. Uh, you know, there's a kid at Virginia Tech out of uh, Saluda, I think is going to end up being pretty good for them. Those are all in-state guys, and you just – you just, you know, let them go. I mean, I, I get it if, if you, you know, go into Georgia and you're – top two for a guy that goes someplace else or North Carolina, wherever, but within the state, you know, and you, you look at the track record of kids from, from South Carolina that have turned out pretty good at receiver, even if they're not rated very high, um, and you just let them roll. You know, that's, that's damning. That's where like, you know, I, I'm never one that gets there because I worked in the business and stuff like that. It's just there and looks at team, team recruiting rankings and, makes a huge deal out of one team being 16th and one team being 28th because there's really numerically and re in reality, there's not a lot of difference, you know, and, and star rating sometimes, you know, if a guy checks out athletically, 
you know, if he's a three star, then there's a chance. But where I, I can be really critical in recruiting is when you, you know, have a position that is that deficient and you're looking around and there's kids from the state or, or kids you could have had a layup with, uh, like Zay Flowers, um, and, and you passed. And, and that, that's what – that's how, you know, I think that's how coaches should be accountable in recruiting is, you know, it's not so much who are you getting, who are you turning down that could have helped you. And, and so receiver to me is a little different than D-tackle. Um but, you know, those two spots right now, I know linebackers thin, but everybody's hurt. So you can't avoid the injury bug, can you, uh, even this year? Uh, and they only – they don't play that many at a time. But, I I mean, you know, I, I just uh, – <laughs> uh, it's just bad right now, folks. It's as bad as it's been. Uh, and I'm going to circle back on Colin Hill, too, because I, I said, well, I don't believe I was wrong at the beginning and, you know, defending him. I wasn't wrong for defending him at all. Um, and I'll stand by that you know, because that's kind of just what I do. But I'll say this, if Ryan Holinsky gets in there and they turn the season around um, and they're rocking and rolling, um, I, you know, I'll, I'll eat my words on believing that he's some, well, somehow not ready. You know, because like I said, I've never, never really been against Ryan. I've just heard that you know, he's not ready and it wouldn't be good. And, you know, Colin's the best shot. So, and look, I I will say that sometimes guys get better during the course of a season. I have heard that Ryan has gotten better, and I've said that. But uh, I'll eat my words uh, if that happens. I, I just because uh, I really was strongly defending the decision, and I thought, you know, honestly, until until the LSU game, you know, I thought I thought Hill played pretty good, and some of the criticisms out there about him still remain inaccurate to this day. Like he doesn't have an arm to throw it down the field. Now he looks lost right now. Um, and so all that experience and all that stuff that, you know, goes into making a decision like that to me is out the window. Cause he doesn't, you know, he's not playing like a veteran, you know, he's playing lost and, um, it's real cattywampus right now on offense. So I, I do think, you know, you gotta, even if it doesn't work out, you gotta find a way to get a spark. And, and I thought it may, may come like, I, I thought they would actually, be at least competitive against A&M, you know, and, and then if you go and you lose at Ole Miss, at that point, you're, you know, you're two and five, and, and so you say, all right, let's, let's pull the trigger. But, you know, Colin Hill did not – he was in the hot spot last week for that game. He did not play well. Again, worse. Worse. Uh, and I know the drop was not – the drops aren't his fault, but there's just something not clicking right there. And I'll say this too, people don't realize this. Sometimes the more film that's out there when you're trying to kind of do it with smoke and mirrors, the tougher it gets. You know, these are not idiots out here. Mike Elko of A&M is not an idiot. <laughs> you know, he's a really good defensive coordinator. And so they they start trying to they start trying to stop what you've done best. And then if you can't do anything else, you know, you're going to be in trouble in this league. And uh, right now the Gamecocks are. So we'll see kind of how that works out. You know, I I, I think um, I am supportive of changing quarterbacks. Uh, and it does look like that's going to happen this weekend. So I, I didn't want you guys to think I'm going to, you know, stand on the Colin Hill bandwagon uh, and continue. I, I, you know, like I said, I had the reasons, uh, have the reasons for saying what I said about him and defending him, but – 
you know, the last two games, you can't really defend, can you? You know, it's not sitting here, you know, I'm not sitting here sniffing glue, you know, <laughs> it's uh, pretty obvious to everybody. Um, so, you know, that's kind of a way for me to say, all right, moving forward, I'm supportive of the move, uh, but I'm not necessarily eating my words on it all. Uh, so that's kind of that there, because I've really taken a lot of crap for that. And that's fine. That's part of the business. And I, uh, you know, that's uh, that's part of what I do. And I've, I used to be in my younger years much more thin-skinned, but I've learned that, you know, people are going to say things, and uh, that comes with the territory. If you're not getting negative feedback, you're not doing your job. And I'm sure I have plenty of mailbag questions today. And we're going to answer them. If you want to get in on the mailbag, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com, or you can tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. And please go follow that Twitter account at the Big Spur Pod. We're getting there as far as that goes. Um, okay. So, all right. Bop, 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 bop. There's a lot of tweets here. All right. Just as the first Twitter guy that gets in. Uh, during the game, he tweets, well, this has been a debacle. Everyone that was clamoring for Dodie sees why he's not ready. Well, now, bye-bye, Muschamp, after tonight. I should have taken – my wife out on a date tonight. I got fussed at for at believing this crap. Thanks a lot. The big spur pod at Keith also, but I guess he's blaming us. That's okay, Justin. It's frustrating. He says, can you convince me that champ deserves a chance to coach this team any longer? I've been in his corner forever, but I truly can't see any reason for him to have another chance. Well, I don't think you could. I mean, as far as not making a move this week, and, and you have to kind of think like everybody else here or the people that are making the decisions. Number one, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Now, I don't think that's going to keep South Carolina from uh, making a move. I, I just don't think that if things get worse and they, they can or if things don't play out with a miracle turnaround, that you can be serious about football and not make a move. You got to find a way, whether that's getting um, the, 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 uh, everybody together that has money and saying chip in, <laughs> uh, whether that's take it out alone, you know, whether that's, you know, maybe, you know, there's some guys that are kind of in the mix for the, that would be in the mix for the job if it opens that don't really have, crazy high salary requirements. I mean, you, and you have to think too, my belief is with the pandemic that we're going to probably, you know, you have the vaccine news that came out. We're probably going to be out of this probably almost completely by the summer. So things go back to normal. The revenue starts rolling in. Also keep in mind uh, the Disney ESPN deal. Uh, and they, they were talking about buying CBS out of the game of the week this year. Well, pandemic hit and obviously they didn't do that. That's coming down the line. That's supposed to give every school they're talking about an extra $30 million. So a year in TV revenue, I think it's right at 40 right now, 35 to 40. So you move forward. And, um, 
you know, you're going to have some extra money to play with and then you can do whatever you want. You just don't have it right now. So down the road, um, you know, so we'll see kind of what happens. Um, and so, no, I can't convince you of anything. I, I'm not going to sit here and defend the, what I've seen the last two weeks. You know, something dramatically would have to change. Dramatically. Uh, I mean, look, if he wins out, and he wins six SEC games for like the what the third time in program history, and beats Georgia again. Yeah, then I, I I don't think under any circumstance you can make a move. That said, look, man, how what's what? That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, let's just be realistic. We can all click our heels together and dream. That's probably not going to happen. I, I, I understand why they didn't do it this week because I think I think right now, you know, you do look and you do see, well, Ole Miss's quarterback can throw five interceptions. Um, and, uh, you know, Ole Miss's defense is bad. and Carolina could run for 300 yards against them and beat them. Uh, and then you beat Missouri and you're sitting there at four and four with Georgia coming into town at that point you know, you're going to have some egg on your face. But I think you lose to Ole Miss, you got to – that's it. That's two and five. Chances of even having a winning record are it. Um, And if you lose to Ole Miss in dramatic fashion, that's three straight. It's terrible. Uh, Justin continues to tweet people about taking his wife out on a date. Look, Justin, I'm sorry. I mean, but, I mean, look, it's not my job or Eric Kimry's job or Will Muster or uh, Keith Alsep's job to apologize, man. Um, it's Will Muschamp's job and uh, Ray Tanner's job, Bob Castle's job. Michael says, is the board going to accept year five at three wins and just sell the fan base on garbage to save money again? Muschamp is Brad Scott. It's actually at that level right now. Those numbers I've pumped out at you, those are Brad Scott level numbers in his fourth and fifth year. And I don't, I don't, you know, look, I understand what Will's trying to do with the, the first three-year thing. And I was the banner toter on that first three-year thing because he did inherit a, a rebuilding job. And after the first three years, you know, I thought after the Florida letdown in 18 and even the bowl game to me, what I was like, well, they'll just, you know, next year they'll get it together. But it's really North Carolina when things started going into the hole badly. Um and so, yeah, you know, and, and the board of trustees, I think they're willing to try to kind of make things work. They're not this big evil group of people <laughs> that people think, you know. Um, and and, and I, I don't think – I think I think everybody's trying to kind of work on the same – get on the same page as far as those guys go. But, no, I, I don't think three wins you can – I mean, you know, you, you can't just sit there and accept that. And, and there, there's nothing really at that point to look forward to. I mean, really, I, I would guess. All right, Rico Dowdle, 64-yard return. See, I mean, and, and this is when people talk about uh, there's no players on the team. Oh, there's no talent. I don't know. There's an awful lot of guys that, you know, have gone to the next level that all of a sudden are really good. Uh, and by the way, they, um, they're they rolling in the players defending Muschamp. But guys, you're going to hear this from guys. Um, 
Nick Mew said he would take a bullet for Coach Muschamp. Deshaun Fenwick said, this is a guy. I love him. I'd do anything for him. That's because Will Muschamp and it loves his, his players love him, okay? Um, there's just some kind of thing that's happening uh, in terms of coaching, quite frankly, on game day that they don't win. Uh, Chris tweets in. There's two Chris's. This is Chris no longer in St. Pete. Give us all the behind-the-scenes rumbling in the football building. Who makes the decision? Big donors, Ray, president, or someone else to back-channel conversations already happen with potential candidates. There's always back-channel conversations, no matter what. Um, so, I, you know, I don't have, like, first-hand knowledge, but I do know there's back-channel conversations. Um, and, and I think it's big donors, Ray, and the president. I, th- I think it falls with them. I don't think the board of trustees – if you have those three guys saying, or the, you know, Ray and Caslin, and then the big donors also are like change, you know, the board of trustees isn't going to stop them. That would be completely ridiculous. Another Chris says the Big Spur Pod wants to hold up on the basketball schedule. Any inside info on who the non-conference opponents might be? Clemson announced their schedule today, and there is a game in Columbia. This TBD. I think they're having trouble kind of piecing it together because of COVID because you've had some teams from some other states. You know, Frank likes to play some teams from the Northeast, and your different states have different COVID restrictions, so that's kind of a puzzle they're trying to, to figure out right now. But I, uh, the SEC schedule actually came out last week, uh, like just the conference games. Uh, you can check the BigSpur.com or uh, Gamecocks online uh, for that, Chris. Thanks for the basketball question. All right, here we go. I'm opening the Gmail account, and oh, my God, it is big. A big one, 16. So we're going to roll through this. Dylan says, JC, I really love your show. I go for an hour walk every day and listen to them. I love your insight, both on the board and the podcast. The board these days is pretty hard to be on with the mass amounts of posters every week having knee-jerk reactions. I hope none are active stock investors. I'm with you, man, but that's the world we live in. And, 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 you know, most of the guys on the board over the years that I've met in person that are the biggest jerks on the board are like the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. Uh, I, just, I, I just think for some people it's, it's, a, it's a place to go vent, you know, and it's kind of a – I don't want to call it a safe space because I'd never use the term safe space, but it is kind of like a place where you can go and, and – blow off some steam or whatever. And, and, and the reason people get so fired up about it is because they love the Gamecocks. I mean, you love the Gamecocks. There's nothing wrong with that. They're passionate. My question for you is regarding Ray Tanner as an athletic director. I'm undecided on whether I like him as an AD. On one hand, people think he should be fired because the football program isn't winning as much. There's obviously more to being an AD than hiring a football coach. I honestly think his initial hiring of Muschamp is defensible if you analyze the decision ex ante. I think I hope I pronounced that right. With that being said, the extension seemed like a bad call. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you say you still like Ray Tanner as an AD. What are some other tasks the public may not be aware of? What are the things you think he does well that warrant him staying in that role? I think right now what you don't want to do, because football is a big issue. Number one, I don't think under any circumstances that, you know, the board, Caslin, whoever's making the decision, get you know feeds the wolves ray tanner's carcass and then waits on football with this promise of this new ad coming in 
riding on a white horse. Look, as crazy as it is to hire a good football coach out there these days, an AD is even worse. There's some absolute clowns, you know, uh, that are ADs. And, and, if, and, you know, there's about one or two out there that I would say slam dunk, no question. Then there's a vast majority of them that you don't know. They may be the best AD in the history of the school, um, or they, they may not, you know. I mean, Clemson got very fortunate to, to hire a guy like Dan Radakovich to, to replace um, our boy, Terry Don Phillips, our boy, y'all, Clemson's boy, Terry Don Phillips. Because uh, Terry Don hired Dabo, but the guy that's really put everything in place for Dabo to be successful. And that's what I look for from an AD more than anything. Um, great ADs. I mean, Jeremy Foley, I've said this many times, he hired Will Muschamp, Jim McElwain, and Ron Zook. But he also hired Urban Meyer and Billy Donovan and Mike White and Kevin O'Sullivan. You know, Mike McGee hired Brad Scott. You know, I mean, it, it's sometimes you just don't make the right call. Uh, that doesn't mean you're not good at your job. I think it, I think it takes a – a long history of bad hires to really say, ah, that guy, you know, really doesn't do it. And people can say, look, the jury's still out on Kingston. So you got Holbrook, you got, he, and Ray just doesn't have very much you can judge him on, you know, and that hurts him too. But uh, so back to my point, under any circumstances, do I think anybody in leadership at South Carolina needs to look at the football problem and say, let's just sacrifice Ray Tanner to the masses, bring in a new guy, let the new guy make the change next year and evaluate him after next year. That to me would be a cheap punk way to get out of this situation. Because what you're saying is we don't have the money to fire a new football, hire a new football coach. So what we're going to do is, we're going to sacrifice Ray Tanner. <laughs> and, and look, that ain't going to change anything. Ray, Ray leaves, another guy comes out, changes nothing. Nothing. In terms of the current trajectory of a football program. There are two things that can change the trajectory of this football program. Number one is only losing one game in your last four. Okay? Uh, and getting to five and five and to a bowl. Because you do that – You've beaten Kentucky, you've beaten Missouri, you've beaten Ole Miss. Hopefully you play well against Georgia. You're going to a bowl, five SEC wins at South Carolina. At this time, is nothing to sneeze at. You can build on that, move forward. So that's number one. You know, number two is making a change. You know, there, there really is no other option here. All this cockamamie, like, well, look, Ray doesn't – let's get rid of Ray first. And, you know, Ray's not the problem right now. It's football. You know, we don't know if Mark, Mark Kingston has a really good team coming up. So I don't think you throw the entire athletic department into chaos with a leadership change because football is struggling and then do nothing about football. So, number one, that under any circumstances, do I think that needs to be the answer? Okay. So that's why I would he would go nowhere right now if it were me. Now, a lot of people are disgruntled with him. And – uh People have their reasons for that. I, I tend to think some of it's overblown. I think a lot of people are mad because Tanner didn't keep coaching baseball and baseball hadn't been as good, and that's fine. I think there are other things PR-wise that he's kind of stepped in it. Not that bad, but, you know, things like people mentioned the, the men's Final Four deal. 
kind of didn't have that at the right time. You know, support for men's basketball in general is a criticism. Um, Ray sometimes doesn't say what people want him to say in the media. I think that's ridiculous. There's nothing wrong with being measured. But it doesn't mean he doesn't care behind the scenes. Um, but but those are the criticisms of him. So down the road, you know, there's a lot of good coaches out there right now, you know, that, that would probably South Carolina have a good shot at. Why, why delay football if it comes to that just to symbolically fire an AD and then potentially throw the rest of the department into chaos? I mean, that makes no sense to me at all. You, you want to get rid of Ray, we want to transition Ray out of the role. You can do that down the road easily, but not right now. Preston says, JC, love. The show is always still want to defend him here. I don't want to be that guy, but there's a reason he was at Colorado State. I don't think that has anything to do with it. And the fact that Muschamp is keeping him in the second half speaks to the fact that Muschamp is probably gone. Uh, they, uh, they, they, they did actually. You probably sent this before they did go to Holinsky and Doty. Um, so they went with them, and, and I get it. And look. Will I defend the initial decision by Mike Bobo and Will Muschamp to start calling? Yes. Will I admit freely that really a little bit in the Auburn game and then LSU in the last two in the last two weeks and some change have not been good and they need to make a change? Yeah, I will. You know, like I said, I put Colin Hill in the hot spot last week. You know, I, and he he needed to play better and he didn't. Dale says, I don't even know what to say about this game. It's currently still in the third quarter, and I'm watching fans leave the stadium. I'm pretty sure I heard fans chanting fire must champ, and you're hearing booze. And there's only 15,000 people there. We had two weeks to prepare this game. It looks like we're playing game one. Instead of improving during the bye week, it looks like we have actually taken steps backwards. Agrees. We are dropping passes. Agreed. Hill stared down a receiver for a pick. Agreed. Our D looks horrible. Agreed. And I have no clue as to where we can go from here. This team, I mean, I don't know. I don't know either. I can't help to be like so many other Gamecocks fans and jump on the fire must champ train. He's supposed to be a great defensive coach, but our D was atrocious. Please help me out here and tell me what's going on and why won't you see we don't seem to be progressing the way we should. I don't have a tangible answer for you there. All I know is you're absolutely right. Um, and like I said, there's two ways out of this. A miraculous turnaround, which I would not call likely, or a change. I mean, we're really at the point. We, we you know, he's changed. We've changed. South Carolina's changed offensive coordinators. Uh, they've recruited well on defense. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that every single position at South Carolina is loaded because of this, because of great recruiting. I will say there are a lot more good football players on that roster individually than you think. The issue is getting them to play. Um, and, and the term play as a team is normally loaded because that usually means like guys are just acting like individuals. And I don't know that that's the attitude. That's usually an attitude thing. I don't know that that's the attitude. But the 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 the, the teams, the team performance sucks. Uh, you know, got a tweet with Rico Dowdle making a big return in the NFL. I mean, you know, there 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 are there, there's a lot of situations with these guys that have gone to the league. You can point to. They weren't always good at Carolina. And now they're playing against the best and doing a good job. So, as I've said many times, they're not running a player development camp. You know, Mitchell, this is Mitchell back for another question. I don't know if Ray Tanner falls football recruiting. He does. 
But if you're sitting in his office right now, if the Gamecocks finish four and six, do you grind out with Muschamp for 2021 and hope that Gunnar Stockton comes in for 2022 and evolves the program similar to Sean Watson at Clemson? Or do you hire a hot name coach and risk losing the recruiters and players Muschamp has brought in, including Gunnar if Bobo had retained? Personally, Carolina's not in the abyss, but they're in a hole. Either way, has its pros and cons. For Muschamp, he has the talent, but can't win games when it matters most. For a hot-name coach, you energize the fan base, but you have to start from the beginning of recruiting, and the gap between other SEC programs and Clemson only gets bigger. I don't agree. that. It, it kind of, I think it kind of depends on who you hire. Uh, and I, I know there's a worry out there that there's going to be half the roster in the transfer portal, but that works both ways. That works both ways. Um, and I don't think you ever want, you know, when you're not close. Now, all right, so let's say they get to five and five and they finish the year with good momentum. You know, everybody's happy. They go back to a bowl. You know, it's a different team. And, and that's what it would take because, like I said, I don't think it's likely. Then, yeah, at that point you look at it, you're like, oh, well, they kind of rebounded. They got up off the mat. Those were bad losses, but all in all, the product's good. It's heading in the right direction. You do have Gunner Stockton. So if you're close, that's what that's what matters. Like Clemson got Deshaun Watson, they were close. They were they they really just the only team they couldn't really beat was was South Carolina and you know were South Carolina and Florida State at the time. Now they trip up against a Georgia Tech or an NC State every now and then, and then that game in Athens in 2014, they couldn't stop Todd Gurley and they lost that one. But but really, you think back, you know, with with Taj Boyd, they were going and winning the Orange Bowl, and they won the ACC in 2011. And, you know, they were beat LSU. I mean, so they were close, and then Watson put them over the top. South Carolina's not close right now, not even close to being close. Uh, and so I, I don't think I do think there's some scenarios though where Stockton could still end up at South Carolina. It just depends on who you hire, what his plan is, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think you ever stop. And I think Ray does follow football recruiting. In fact, I know he does. But I don't think you stop based on that because that's so far away. And, you know, you could get Gunnar Stockton may come, but if you don't have anybody around him, you know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Mark says – Two things. He says, fire must champ. And then he says, you're still the man, by the way. People are just the old man yelling at the cloud at this point. Yeah, I took a lot of heat. That's fine. That's part of it. Noah says, after years of frustrating and pathetic results, it's time for must champ to go. I'm sure he's a good guy, but he's not cut out. Would Herm Edwards or Graham Harrell be possible hires from the Pac-12? Would they be willing to leave their jobs for South Carolina? Would they be good hires in your opinion? Herm, no. I think that, that Arizona State gig's sweet. And he's older and all that. Graham Harrell, probably, uh, if you went after him. I want to reiterate that I'm not a checking must champ the person, but I don't think he's the right coach. Surely, you know, I mean, it, it look, he is a good person. And, and look, I I don't think anybody could be should be sitting there talking crap about his family, talking crap about his beer gut, talking crap about this, that, and the other. I mean, this is about the work, and the work is not getting done at the level that would allow South Carolina to win. Uh, and, and I'm not – there's work being put in. I mean, they're not, not working, but uh, it's just this is about the performance and the results. 
you got to get results. It's a bottom line business. This is the SEC, this is Southeastern Conference. And I and I think, you know, and I said last year, I thought maybe they should consider a change because very few teams in year four that have a disastrous season, which the Gamecocks did have a disastrous season, uh, keep their coach. That's just how the league is, the Southeastern Conference. Now, Ray Tanner decided he's going to ride, ride it out. And Ray didn't know a pandemic was going to hit, and that's the that's the fly in the ointment here, just kind of act of God kind of thing. And uh, you know, decided and when you decide to do that, and it's clearly not like a cut and dry decision because it, it clearly wasn't. And I don't care what anybody says. I mean, you, you just you just don't sit there and look at that season and go, oh, everything's hunky dory. You know, I don't care what kind of recruiting class you have coming in. Um, you know, so uh, I, you know, that's my thing there. But you're right. Don't attack. I mean, nobody needs to attack Muschamp the person. He, he's a good, good person. I mean, people at Florida, as bad as things happened at Florida the last two years, they were upset to see him go, and they hired a guy that nobody liked, Swamp Donkey. Cameron says, first time on a sour note. First time email coming in from North Charleston. Love the podcast, brother. You always provide insight and commentary on the Cox, and I enjoy more than any other Carolina podcast I've listened to. Thanks for listening, and thanks for listening to all the others, too. It's awesome. There's lots I could ask, but at the same time, they're in. Do you think Will Muschamp see it as now blazing inferno? Yes. I know Muschamp always points to the successful recruiting we've had, but is it truly successful when the staff is completely lost when it comes to developing and coaching the players? Um, developing, I think that's different than coaching them up. I think developing, it's fine. I think there's a disconnect in terms of the overall team performance on the weekends. And sometimes that has to do with scheme, um, the whole, that defense may be too complicated. Sometimes it has to do with like calls. Sometimes it has to do with like deficiencies at certain, certain spots, you know, but enough to be consistently competitive week to week in the SEC. Both lines got bullied, true. And and the offense, really, they've been doing well till Saturday, I thought. Colin Hill played even worse than the last one. Yep, that's why he's gone. Or not gone, but on the bench. Receivers dropping balls everywhere. Missed field goal. Yeah, missed field goal. Overall crap show. I know you said two and five would be the mark where quarterback should be considered. But do you think the offensive nightmare could get that process started now? Yeah, I think it's going to happen. Are there any other personnel changes you can think of right now that could help us escape this awful rut? Well, I talked about some, and you know, Zach Pickens played more than he normally has uh, Saturday night, but I, you know, what do you do? Jalen Foster at safety. How about that? <laughs> Look, Jalen actually did not play bad. He, sometimes he looked like he's limited, but he, sometimes he looked like the only one trying. Um, you know, I just feel awful for the players at this point. I don't ever want college athletes to get booed. I think they're booing the coach. But when you play like that, nobody's really going to do anything else. Just want to hear some of your thoughts on what the world's going on right now. Love the podcast. As always, JC, keep up the good work and go Cox. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's tough. It's tough. Um, all right. There are some of these I'm answering tomorrow because they're kind of – big picture stuff and they're going to take a while. 
Cartwright says, any inside thoughts or news on which quarterback will start this Saturday? I, I'd be surprised if a change wasn't made. He's not in college. He says not Colin Hill's not the solution. Doty, maybe even Halinski, more mobility in the pocket uh, for the few plays Ryan was in. The man moved more than Hill ever has. And yeah, Ryan was not necessarily a statue last year. He's he's not the most mobile guy, but he's you know he he can get you know he can get some things done. And then Doty definitely can. Need to, Cartwright says we need to try to make something out of nothing. Does Ryan have more of the team behind him? Does Doty pump the team up? I don't know. Do you got those guys add a cheat code to the offense that you don't have with Colin? I think with Doty and his mobility, yeah. Do they give you more time each play? Probably. Do they provide more separation? I want a Colin to work. I like him, like his faith, personality. Yeah, right now I think it's clear it's not Colin. Maybe the safest choice during the game, but he's a conservative choice. Yeah, look, I'm with you. I've defended the decision. But at some point, you got to make a move. I mean, you got to do something to try to spark the team because it can't, I mean, you know, it can't get any worse. When Colin Hill was completing passes and moving the ball and they beat Auburn and, you know, and, and then with the LSU situation, he had a bad game. So you think, well, you have to get back to, I said this, he's got to get back to the form he was the first two or three games. So, um, you know, yeah, I think quarterback change will happen. Uh, my guess is they may rotate the two or they do whatever. James says, assuming Muschamp has let go, do you envision a mass exodus from the team in the 2021 class? Probably not. You know, I, I, I think the new guy, depending on who it is, can come in and keep most of it together. And I, I don't think Will Muschamp is going to – you know, A, let's say he gets a job as a coordinator at another SEC school. He's not going to raid the dang Gamecocks uh, roster. I, I just don't think that's how he rolls. Uh, when he left Florida, you know, he encouraged all those guys to stay, and they did. Now, you do have the problem of the the, the portal and the rules because guys are immediately eligible. So, I would be probably being dishonest if I told you, nah, everybody's going to stay um, because I don't think everybody will. But like I said, that works both ways. That works works both ways. Um, and, you know, Muschamp was a reason a lot of those guys came to Carolina. But, you know, another thing people have to understand is, you know, it, student athletes, you know, they don't fundamentally, unless they're not playing or things, are, they don't fundamentally want to leave. Now, they may have – whoever the new coach is, they may have a personality conflict with him or a staff member or something. But they're there. They have their friends. You know, they have their teammates. They have girlfriends in many cases. You know, they, they're not like, you know, pro ball players who are just going for the next job. For some, it's like that. Now, do I think J.C. Horn will go pro if Muschamp is not back? Yeah, but I think J.C. Horn was going to go pro anyway. Uh, and quite frankly, I think he should. I think he's that good. So, so we'll see kind of what happens with that. But I, you know, I, that would be the least of my concerns because, again, just like with recruiting, you know, you can't sit there and worry about it. That 2021 class, maybe they lose a few people. Maybe the new coach, if they have a new coach, doesn't want a few of those guys. And they have their own guys. You know, we'll just kind of see what happens there. James, thanks for your email. Andy says, JC, I know. Tanner refuses to make a change prior to the end of season. 
I don't know about that. <laughs> I just, I just don't know about. I just don't know about that right now. Again, you may be right. Maybe you're right, but I don't know about that. Uh, do any in the athletic department realize the sooner the school can start getting looking for a placement, we're better. Also, do you have an opinion on the mood of Caslin or any prominent board members that has reached out to USC? What happens first, Tanner or Muschamp firing? Again, I think that the the Tanner thing, you throw everything into chaos department-wide, and then you're expected to go do a coaching – I mean, I just – you know, I mean, I think there's enough out there – across the board that would do a, a good enough job that could would, would want the job, you know, to where, you know, Tanner's, you know, Tanner's not going to be out there choosing Will Muschamp, Rich Rodriguez, Greg Schiano, or Willie Taggart. You know, that that's really what it came down to last time. You know, I, I, I think that you have guys out there that are Tom Herman level coaching candidate types and there's a lot of them and there's a lot right around this area and beyond too i mean you know if things went crazy let, let's say you had a tennessee type situation where uh, and it's see I, so, so, again I, I i don't think ray tanner's going to go try to hire greg shiano he's at rutgers anyway um you know let's say you get a tennessee situation which i hope that doesn't happen for ray's sake and you get down to your fourth or fifth choice. Well, at that point, it's probably the guy from Charlotte, Will Healy, who everybody thinks is going to win a national championship someday. Uh, or it's like Jamie Chadwell at Coastal, who, you know, his offense is, you know, really dynamic and different. And I think you could recruit to it. And I think you got a guy on campus now that could run it. Uh, but, you know, th- those, are the, those are the guys that, like, are on the periphery right now you know so you're not going to have to sit there and do that and you're also not replacing steve spurrier you know that there's something to be said for that too you know what's you know you, you following a legend is a tough thing to do now should, should <laughs> i'm not blaming that on the demise or the the you know what's happened so far with Muschamp, especially uh the last two years and some change that had nothing to do with steve spurrier but that is tough because, you know, you do have a guy that raised the, the standard. And so, you know, sometimes it's better to not be the guy that follows the guy. It's better to be the guy that follows the next guy. Um, as far as the mood of people, nobody's happy. People want to win. I, I think some people that may have been on the fence and, you know, just sort of halfway not happy or really not happy now. Uh, and so that's what I've heard on that. All right. I am going to read the rest of these tomorrow. Uh, actually, Dale, because Dale, right, Dale sent a second email. And so his second about the A&M game. So I'm going to read that because I don't want to read that tomorrow and everybody's confused. So Dale said, this is the second email about the A&M game and comes one day after. So I'm trying to take some time to breathe this thing through a little bit. I'm disturbed by Bus Jump's post-game press conference. Can you explain to me why it feels like it's so he feels like it's okay to hang on to we won more games in the first three years? As if that's going to make us stop and go, you know what? He sure did, and I'm no longer upset. No, that was not. I mean, he, you know, I'll say this about Will Muschamp. It's not like he doesn't care. I mean, he probably cares. He he gets probably more upset than the rest of us. But I get, 
you know, I get, uh, I get it. That was probably not what everybody wanted to hear. If Muschamp had any supporters in the fan base, I feel like he's lost them after the game. The last two weeks, he's lost a bunch, a bunch. Do you think there's any salvaging the season? No, there's only one way to do it, and that's win. So if, if they do win, they can salvage it. But, you know, do you still stand by Muschamp? I mean, I said earlier, there's two ways out. <laughs> win or make a change. Should we fork out the money and kick him to the curb? If things don't turn around dramatically and there's not a miracle turnaround, yeah, you, you got to do that. I don't, kick him to the curb with $13 million in hand, I don't know that that's a bad thing. I feel like with coaching changes these days, and I've changed. I used to feel really bad. And who I, With coaching changes, who I feel really bad for are the assistants because they're all one-year contracts. They make good money. Don't get me wrong. But they don't get the, you know – eight figures guaranteed like the head coaches do. And, and so sometimes if they're not on multi-year deals, when they get fired, they're just fired. And some of the guys that were friends of mine that got fired as assistants, hey, they have trouble getting back in, you know? And, and so you feel for those guys uh, in this situation. Um, as a person and a human being, you know, I don't wish failure on people that I respect and like as people. Um, and so by, for that reason, um, I feel bad for Will Muschamp. But if he walks, you know, walks out and gets his buyout, uh, man, he's a multimillionaire. And, and really, he, he's got a number of probably other opportunities, you know, whether it's in college football or the NFL or, you know, doing TV. He's actually got a really good personality. He could do TV, uh, you know, and, and his, his life set, you know, his family's going to be taken care of. I mean, there, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, lose their job and then in six months they're in a soup line. So for that reason, as I've gotten older, I've kind of realized I don't, I don't really, you know, I, I don't have this deep sympathy, you know, man to man I do, you know, cause I, I, I don't like to see people fail and what they have a big passion for. Um, but as far as like, should we all be overwhelmingly sympathetic for somebody that makes that type of money walking away with it? No, he's going to be okay as a person. <laughs> believe me, believe me. So that's my thing there. All right. All right. I got four more. Got to read them tomorrow, tomorrow's episode. Cause that's all the time we have for today. Talked to Mike Morgan earlier today. We were supposed to be rocking a JC and Morgan today. He's a little under the weather. If we get to it, it'll be this afternoon, but that will return this week. Also, don't forget, I'll be on JB and Goldwater show tomorrow. Get their app, sign up for their VIP package. It's very, very little money a month, and you get all kinds of extra benefits. Um, that's JB and Goldwater. Also, later in the week, I'll be on Locked on the Gamecocks with Keith. So that'll be good, but mostly I'll be right here with you guys. This has been the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Hope you all have a wonderful Tuesday. Holla at you soon.